guys, and welcome back to the Dream Achieve podcast with me, your host, Hannah Ashton. I can't believe we're on episode 67. That's pretty crazy. Well, actually, maybe not so crazy because I have been doing this podcast for a while. I know the dates I uploaded my first podcast episode is a little messed up, but I really started this, um, I think, two summers ago in 2017. If you go to my SoundCloud, then you're an OG if you've been there from SoundCloud. This episode is going to be all about copywriting and especially launching with a website or copy um, of your brand that really stands out and shows your personality. So I can't wait for our guest Meike to come on and tell us all that we need to know about copywriting and launching because she is actually a coach for that and definitely has some great expertise to share. But before we get into the interview, I'd like to give you guys just a quick recap of my life, maybe something I've been learning recently. So I am doing better. If you've listened to my last um, podcast episode, I was talking about being nervous while staying home alone and all of that. But this week I am doing much better. My dad is back in town and I am just gearing up and getting ready to head back to Belmont University on Sunday. It's crazy. I am moving into um, my sophomore year and moving back into a dorm. So just getting ready with all the things, pre-recording these podcast episodes so I don't have to worry about that while I'm there. And I'm just really excited for this new year and new time to start for me. Like, I'm ready to go now. Last week, I don't think I was quite ready ready to go, but this week, I'm ready to go. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited about a lot of opportunities coming up. I just got off a call with a woman of a workout studio um, there in Nashville, and I may get to be an ambassador for them. And I'm just like already the Lord is working in amazing ways and sh- opening new opportunities for this school year for me. So I can't wait to see what else is in store. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to read a review because I hear a lot of other podcasts do this, and I just think it's a sweet way to thank you guys and show you that I really do read them. And whether you leave a rating or I would really love if you left the, a review with the rating, which is just a couple sentences of what you think about the show. I try to put a lot of hard work into the show. I actually just got a new mic. I've been borrowing my brother's Blue Yeti mic all summer because the quality is amazing. And I finally just got my own and it's matte black. It's beautiful. And it was actually the Assassin's Creed version which is a game like a video game I do not play but it came with the free game I guess so I gave it to my brother but anyway I've been trying to put a lot of work into the show especially season two here so it would mean the world to me if you um, acknowledge that work I put into it and leave a review and a rating so this one is from Ava D and hers is titled really motivating and inspiring Listening to this podcast always helps me get up and do whatever I have to do and inspires me to do what I love. Would 10 out of 10 recommend this podcast? That makes me so happy to hear because I try to bring on guests and when I do solo episodes, I try to share a lot about, um, yeah, motivation because one of the main things I do when I'm kind of down or in a funk is I listen to podcasts and I watch content that inspires me and it really helps kick me into gear. I have to do that a lot with... um, I have to do that a lot with fitness content. Like right before I go to the gym or I go to work out, like I have to watch a fitness guru on YouTube, you know? That's just part of the routine. Helps get me inspired to go. But okay, now I would love to introduce you guys to Meike. So she is a launch strategist and conversion copywriter for purpose-driven online businesses. She has some amazing courses, so if you want to work with her one-on-one, definitely check out the links below if you think copywriting, um, which is basically just the text on your website, 
how it looks, how it sounds, how it feels. If you think you need help with that or just with your launch, definitely check her out. And I will actually be on her podcast in October. So look out for that. You can check out her podcast called Quiet Rebels. And let's go ahead and get started with the interview. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about product launches and copywriting and being a, um, a coach for businesses. Um, but guys, if you're listening and you're maybe starting to think about if you wanted to launch a course or a product or a service, this episode is going to be great for you. But even if you're not in that realm yet, if you're just maybe thinking about if you had a business, what it would look like, or uh, we can maybe apply some of these tips as well to just like starting a blog or a YouTube channel and just, you know, sharing your voice um, online, but I would love for you to start uh, with your story and how, like, what even got you into business? Oh, okay. Well, um, I know for the majority of your audience listening right now, they are either at that stage of being in college or they've kind of like gone into the corporate world for a couple of years and they just want to do something a bit bigger. Um, not to say that's not big, <laughs> but you know, just uh, going off the well-beaten path, let's just say that. Um, well, for yeah. myself, I was always one of those kids who never learned how to answer the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because while my friends were like, oh, I want to be a supermodel, I want to be a police officer, um, I was just like blank. <laughs> I didn't know how to answer that question. Um, so I had no idea of how people perceived me or what my skill sets were until around when I was 15, because that was when I was in secondary school. And yeah, my friends always said to me that I was such a great listener. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And then they're like, yeah, you should be a counsellor. And I was like, hmm, I can listen to people's problems for a living. And, you know, I love doing that thing. I love doing that anyway and supporting people. And of course, that's a very naive um, thought back then of that's just what counselling was. I know it's so much more complex than that. They actually gave me a direction to go, which I was so thankful for. And around that time, my cousins also got into psychology themselves. Um, they were studying it at university. And for, for me, um, they kept sharing um, their textbooks and just their ideas because I was just so excited to learn about it. So I thought, hey, maybe I should study psychology too if I want to go down the counselling route because there are a couple of ways to become a counsellor. Um, but having a degree in psychology and then doing some, you know, some post-grad study uh, is a way to get there. So I thought, okay, cool, psychology. So I picked the university um, in London because um, I had to kind of meet my parents' requirements, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, my dad was like, yeah, I could be in the top 30, like in the UK. And my mom was like, I don't want you to go too far. So also stay in London. I was like, okay. So I, it really narrowed down my choices. There was a lot more university I did want to go to that were more into um, the countryside outside the city but um, you know I wanted to please my parents so I chose uh, my university of choice I got my first choice so I got all the grades and everything to get there but I kid you not Hannah on day one of my course every fiber of my being just told me make this isn't for you and mm. I was crushed because um, I I've really learned to lean into my intuition now, but back then all I cared about was pleasing other people. And also because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in the UK, um, we like our fees tripled from 3000 a year to 9000 a year. And I was that last year when it was still 3000. So I felt super obligated, um, you know, to carry through because I thought, oh gosh, but I, I'm really lucky to be here. I got my first choice, you know, everything that my parents wanted. I'm doing the subject that I said I wanted that jazz but it still wasn't in the line of what I wanted and 
in the cliff notes version is simply because the way in which my course was taught it was taught uh, how it was taught to us was kind of like how human beings are subjects in experiments and where regardless of where you are on a scale of something there's something wrong with you it was very negative and I didn't love it because I wanted to you know really focus on the human being in front of me and to embrace their individual differences and again I'm not bashing psychology it's just simply how it was taught which is why I'm not naming my university <laughs> um but yeah so that's kind of where I was but um around my second year I lived out for university and I was in an abusive relationship and it really hit me hard and fast and it started emotionally abusive and then it turned sexually abusive as well and I'm not going to go into details um you know unless you did want to like ask more questions I'm totally open to that but basically it just showed me what rock bottom was and how my people pleasing nature was the very reason why I was in that spot in the first place because I always put myself last because I kept wanting other people to be happy but I didn't realize that that was the extent that it could go to and I pulled myself out of it um, after a quite a dark period and I found self-care to be my salvation. So I really took care of my body. I took care of my health. I, you know, I just completely changed my lifestyle and I started putting myself first for once. And around that time, through the magic of Facebook ads, <laughs> um, I, a health coaching school found me because around that time, I was so into nutrition because of the whole self-care thing. And health coaching found me. And just the idea of coaching was everything that I wanted to do. And that's what is kind of like the offshoot of what counseling was. But it was just in a completely different paradigm. And I loved it. So I actually, when I finished my degree, I also, I just went straight into coaching um, training and of course I had to have some part-time jobs um, to sustain myself while I was still studying but I just fell in love with that and I just thought wow like, I don't want to go back I don't want to you know go I don't I don't ever want to go to um, you know having a corporate job and it's fine for some people who really love the system I have friends who love the system and I'm like yeah that's fine that just it doesn't do it for me um, I always felt like there was more to life than that and this path is a lot more, um, let's just say there's a lot more like twists and turns. <laughs> I just say it's not very linear, yeah. this, this entrepreneurial journey, which I'm sure you know. Um, but I just absolutely loved it. And fast forward, like I was one of those coaches who didn't have a business background. So initially I did struggle with sales and marketing, but um, I found a mentor. Um, I actually won a year's mentorship with him because I went all in for a seven day challenge that he was running. And it was a seven days of overcoming your fears. And I literally went all in, like taking off my makeup on a live, um, a Facebook live and uh, getting people in corporate suits to dance with the Gangnam Style with me. <laughs> like there were so many fears that I conquered in just one week. And it was awesome. And he absolutely loved that I did that. And while the first four months, it was a mentorship uh, for my business, my coaching business, um, he actually wound up hiring me four months in. So it actually turned into an internship. And that's where it all began. Um, he, like just working alongside him in this very, very fast growing startup, it was just me and him. Um, but he reached six figures in one year because we launched all the time. And so he taught me everything from one-on-one uh, -on -one sales calls to emceeing on webinars to being a community manager of over 10,000 people in a group <laughs> um, running these coaching mm. programs and actually 
one of them, one of those skills was copywriting. Um, I didn't know what it was <laughs> at the time. Um, he just simply gave me an email. And because I was just so well versed with this community, like who he was serving, um, he just asked me to write an email um, to help promote his webinar. And I did it and it converted really well. And then he was like, hmm, um, actually, try this one. <laughs> so he just kept giving me copy related tasks. And around the one year mark after we worked together, after he officially hired me, he came to me one day and, um, you know, for our one year work anniversary. And he said, you know, Meike, I really feel that you're an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, which is what you are working for me. And, you know, I would love for you, you know, to continue working here. But if you do feel that there is something else out there, I mean, if you were to go all in to this copywriting business of yours, I really feel like you could be super successful. Like that meant the world to me, the fact that he was willing to let me go and, and not prevent me from growing. You know, he was like, I feel like this is your calling sort of thing. And it just it just brought me back to when I first met him I wanted to be a coach and run my own business but then I just found myself um kind of hiding a little bit um hiding under his wing as he like taught me how to fly as cheaply as that sounds <laughs> um but yeah that that's kind of how I've um that's how I'm here right now is because he literally pushed me out the nest and was like fly you can fly now <laughs> I've taught you everything you need to know um but honestly all the skills that I learned working with him has put me in such a great um, position um, than when I first started out as a coach. Now I've um, trained a bit more formally in copywriting. So it wasn't just because he told me I was good. Um, I did, you know, take on some extra courses and trained under more mentors, specifically in copywriting, just to learn more about the craft. And now this is where I am. So I specifically help people to launch their online courses and group programs. And I help them, you know, write their copy in order to do so. so um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. There are so many good nuggets there um, in your story. And you touched on so many great aspects that I think a lot of women are going through as they transition into entrepreneurship. Going back to the beginning, um, I love how you shared the idea of pe people pleasing because that's definitely something that resonates with me. Um, I find that oh, yeah. ever since I was little, like I always wanted to obviously please my parents and please my friends. And it's when I found like self-development books and personal mm -hmm. growth, YouTube channels and podcasts is when I started to realize um, it's great to love people and to want to, you know, help people. But there's also the aspect of like too much and yeah. <laughs> um, not taking care of yourself as well. And I know a lot of college students nowadays, are may, they may be in university because um, a parent's choice or because they feel like it's the right thing to do. Like you said, maybe they got into their dream school and then they show up to the first day of classes and they realize it's not for them. But did you mm. stick with it for, um, are you in university for four years in the UK? Um, for us, it's three years. But um, yeah, I did yeah, I did stick through it because I was like, oh, you know, I paid for it anyway. <laughs> And might as yeah. well finish it. I'm very much a finish what you start kind of girl, but it's, I didn't love it. But I felt like, you know, it wouldn't hurt having a psychology degree under my belt. Right. So do you guys pay for the whole, all of it up front? Um, we, we do it annually. So we do it every okay. year. You can do it all okay. in one, I believe, but um, not many people can <laughs> unless they have a loan. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just really interested. I was like, oh, okay. Let's, I'm going to see what's <laughs> different. Yeah. That's similar to, to in the U S. Um, mm. 
Okay. Wow. And I love how you also talked about like going into your internship and getting the mentorship by just putting in the hard work and doing the seven day challenge. I think so (laughs) many of us see those, those things online, like giveaways or, you know, Mm -hmm. challenges. And we're just like, oh, that's too much work. But really you save probably like thousands of dollars just by showing up and, and doing the work and like proving to yourself, okay, I'm worth this. And even though I may not have the, the capital funds, like I can, I can enter this. I love that. Mm. Yeah, challenges, I feel they just, I don't know, they just set the tone for me. Like when you feel like, for those who are listening, who feel like, oh, who am I to do, you know, all of this when you feel like you're a nobody? Um, if you really go all in for challenges like that, you will get noticed because, and it's, it's a triple whammy because you're going to help yourself by pushing yourself, you know, for this challenge. You're also going to help your fellow challenges um, because what I found, because um, I, with, with that seven day challenge, the goal was, you know, to win and to, you know, get um, that, that one year mentorship. But the thing is, literally after day one, I had girls reaching out to me because this was the, uh, when I took off my makeup on the Facebook live. And I, I had girls reaching out to me in that same community saying, thank you so much for being willing to do that. I feel like watching you, I have the courage to do that now. So, and then they started doing it too. And I love that. And so that's when I focused more on, contribution and like collective growth as a community um because it can be easy to um lose track of what's really important when you're just gunning for a goal but if you like you know focus on that collective energy that you have with your fellow challengers like still do your best and if you do want to win go for it but you know there's just so much more wind and of course for the leader of that challenge the creator you're helping them too so it's a triple whammy if you go through if you like give it your all when you go into these challenges and that's how I've been noticed very early on is because of that um yeah and because it's it inspires people like um left right and center to be honest and you also stretch your own comfort zone which I think is so important if you're going to go on this journey yes so true you mentioned not knowing what copyright was when you started out <laughs> I would love for you to explain to our listeners who maybe don't know or they think um you know like a copyright soundtrack or copyright music is what comes to mind mm-hmm. uh, if you could explain copywriting for a website and why it's important to businesses yeah sure so this is copywriting with a w not an r uh, yes. so this is not the legal stuff <laughs> um but the not way that legal. Yeah, no, not the legal stuff. And, you know, if you if you were to ask any copywriter this question, you're going to get, like, a thousand different answers, to be honest. But the, the easiest way that I like to put it is just a way for you to communicate with your audience. So there are so many different types. I actually, the analogy that I use is, like, baking. So I know you like your cookie dough, Hannah. So maybe this will resonate with yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, I know cookie dough is technically it's raw. Like, you don't cook it. But hopefully this is all going to make sense if I just, like, bring in lots of tasty treats <laughs> into this analogy yeah. but I think I think copywriting is like the umbrella of baking right but there are cakes and macaroons and macarons as well as cookies and all that kind of stuff they all fall under the umbrella of baking but there's so many different types of methods as well as ingredients in order to make them that specific thing so for example um communicating with your audience on an email is going to be very different than how you communicate it in an ad or how you communicate it on your website. But it's in a nutshell, copy is just communicating with your audience, but there's just um, different ways to communicate in different formulas, um, you know, for each type, just as there is for a recipe for a cookie versus a devil's chocolate cake. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. And like you mentioned with emails and ads, copy is just the text that you see on someone's website or in their email mm -hmm. marketing, or it could even be a caption on Instagram, right? Yes, exactly. That's all communication. And the easiest way that, um, as well as um, under the whole umbrella of you know copy being communicating with your audience, there are two um, further segments that I tend to see, and that is content versus conversion copy. So content is everything at the top of the funnel. So this is things like blog posts, this is things like social media um, captions as well. And for those who are launching a course, for example, um, a sales page is at the bottom of the funnel and that's more on conversion because it's very close to the sale. But both of them are equally as important. And like on my own podcast, I had a guest and like she was literally fighting for big content writers because there is almost like... Um, I don't know. It's almost like this internal battle that we have as copywriters, you know? <laughs> like, it's a secret battle that no one sees because we're all underground. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, like, there's room for both of them. But uh, content is everything that you do to, like, warm your audience, like, for them to get to know you. So, for example, this podcast is content. And the show notes, that that's copy, right? And if you have a blog post attached to it, that's also copy. Um, but there is room for all of this on across all areas of the sales cycle. So um, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great example. So what do you find a lot of businesses leave out of their copy? Personality. <laughs> yeah. Um, to elaborate on that, um, I think it's because not all of us are bought. Uh, no, that doesn't right way to put it. <laughs> it's not that we're not born writers, but I think it's because when we were, when we're taught English in school, we're we're told to not use contractions for example like you know there's apostrophes so we say yeah. we have to say can cannot instead of can't but the thing is no one really speaks like that unless they're super eloquent and that's fine but most of us especially if we have businesses you know the whole point is to connect with your audience right and you and you can only really do that if you have this sort of conversational tone um but that's really missing from a lot of copy out there and it's because you want to come across as a professional and I really struggled with this because I felt I was too young when I first started out and when I found out about you Hannah I was like oh she's even younger and like she's she's crushing it so <laughs> there's no excuse for me like not to be completely myself but I did feel like I had to be like quote unquote I'm doing air quotes right now professional and for me that meant like not showing that personality very much but the thing is the right people are going to attract to you because of the energy that you put out there so if you are finding yourself with um clients who are very stiff it's very likely that you're you're a reflection of that in your own uh communications so basically your clients are essentially a mirror of you so if you put out a lot of personality it's going to deter some people who aren't into that, and that's fine. But it's also going to draw the people who absolutely love that, and they want the courage, you know, to be able to do that as well, you know, through working with you. So I think that's definitely missing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so good to know um, and to be aware of when someone's writing content or writing copy. So when you have a client and you're going over, like, the copy you're going to write for their site, what do you ask them? Are you asking just basic questions like how would you talk to your friends? Or if someone's doing kind of a self-analysis of how they should write their copy, what should they look for? Mm, that's a good question. Um, with all copy projects, I go through my signature framework. It's called the Black Belt Ethos. And I could go into that, but let's just say I do jujitsu. <laughs> um, but it, it has a lot more meaning than... Um, 
yeah, it had a lot more meaning. But in a nutshell, um, I go through three phases. And this is what I would love for all business owners to know if they haven't yet worked with a copywriter, is that they will not be able to write copy without researching your audience, as well as understanding you. So the first phase of uh, my framework is called H2H Touch. So the thing is, when people want to start businesses, when they want to launch a course or launch a new service or product, oftentimes it will come from their own desire to want to create something. And that's fantastic. I love that. You know, the passion, it needs to be there. But the thing is, a lot of people lead with that. They lead with their own passions and desires. And they forget that it's not their passions and desires that's going to buy that service or product or course, you know, it's going to be the people it's made for. So that's why the first step is literally listening to your audience. So for example, um, what I do with my own clients is that I ask them to send out a survey to their current email list. I ask them to set up interviews uh, with their top five um, like fans or like top five clients or people who just like really love what they do and like I speak to them one-on-one so like I send them the script um, and everything so they know how to reach out to these people but um, I'm on the call with them and I'm asking them questions to really help to understand you know what are their dream scenarios what are their biggest fears and everything like that it's because that's what we call voice of customer data but if if a copywriter tries to write without that the message won't land and as simple as that and so that is the first phase of my process is literally that I have to speak to their audience. I have to understand what they're thinking, what they're saying, what they really want, what they really don't want and all of that kind of stuff. And then stage two, that's what I call brand DNA. So that's when I would so say, for example, we were working together, Hannah, um, we'd be on a deep dive call and I'd be listening to your story in absolute depth just to understand your values, what your mission is, what you, what's your tone of voice like. I, I do run, uh, like, for example, if I were to do your own tone of voice um i would take some copy that you feel really represents you and i'd run it through some softwares and it would actually tell me what emotions you elicit as you um you know when you write your copy and so if i'm gonna like write on your behalf i need to sound like you right so <laughs> um yeah so that that's the process uh, that's the second step when i get to know the actual creator themselves and then finally that's when we actually go into you know the whole um sequence of creating your your offer so if you let's talk about your your workbook right your um dream achieve workbook so you know that's when i would un- i'll deep dive in into it again asking you like who who is this made for and like what's it like just so that i can like relay what you want back to your customers now that i know what they're what they're thinking because i've actually spoken to them so it's that three-stage cycle so a lot of people start with the creation part first they start creating with the mentality of build it and they will come. But unless you have a really stellar audience who will literally buy everything that you've got, and some people do have those audiences, but you still want to convey that value anyhow. Um, But unless you have that, it's going to be an uphill battle if you focus on that creation part first and you don't focus on listening and validating your ideas with your ideal customers. Yeah, that is so cool. Wow. Um, I never thought about going that deep and personal into writing because writing is not my strong suit. I personally love talking and that's why I do a lot of video content and this podcast instead of doing blog posts. But wow, yeah, that is that is so interesting. So do you have any tips for people maybe at the beginning of a launch process or just starting to think about launching a course or what would, what would you say to them um, before they dive deep and put a lot of time into this idea? 
All right, guys, we know it's back to school season and with back to school, I'm always getting requests on what products I recommend and what supplies I think you need. And I always say the number one school product I believe high school and college students need is a planner. So what did I do? I created my own. If you haven't heard of the Dream Achieve workbook, it is my product that I launched this past summer and it is a goal setting workbook and six month undated planner all in one. It's going to not only help you lay out your semester, get your to do's accomplished each day because I know you have lots of to do's besides just school. You probably have clubs to go to and maybe a business or a podcast podcast to run, who knows, you're doing it all. And so it's going to help you get all those things achieved and prioritize your time. And it's undated. So whenever you're listening to this, whether that's August, October, December, January, whenever you can pick yours up and start using it right away. It, and of course, I believe in this product more than any other advertisements or brands I've worked with because it is my product made by yours truly. And so if you want to learn more or shop it yourself, you can go to shophannahashton.com and purchase it there. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. Oh yes, oh my gosh. You know, I'm on a mission, Hannah, to prevent as many launch flops as possible. And so if for those who are listening, if um if you don't know what a launch flop is, it's literally when a launch fails, but we call it a flop. I think it's it's nicer. <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah, it smooths out those those rough edges because no one likes to say that they failed, but flopping is like a belly flop into a swimming pool. But <laughs> um so the first it stage so I do have five stages um of this process and I think the first one is basically what I've just said before really about validating your ideas because it is so easy again just to run with your idea and you know just just kind of um it's like if you're running on sugar but no food right <laughs> you are literally just like running on mm. energy but it won't last so that's why like it is my mission to um, you know help with this but just in a quick cliff notes in the five phases that I have for successful launches is phase one is pre-launch planning and validation so no winging it there's no lastminute.coms or, or anything like that is literally speaking to your customers and just really understanding where they're currently at because if you launch to somebody who, who isn't even aware um, you know of what their pain is or what their problem is the message isn't going to land even it doesn't matter how amazing your product is or your offer like if it if you're not re, if you're not meeting them where they're at then it's just not going to land and unfortunately that does mean like to a loss of sales and so that's why validating your ideas and planning it all out beforehand is going to help and then phase two is creating your launch materials so launches they can be complex beasts if you don't know how to tame them. <laughs> but um, just being super organized with your launches is going to really help you. So understanding your elements. So just to give you a cliff notes, um, because I primarily work with people who are doing online courses, um, they often launch with webinars. And so I would have to um, help them to develop a freebie so that people can download um, uh, some information that is in tandem with what their offer is i would need to write the landing page of when people like log onto that page and like oh yeah i want to put my details my email address in here i'd have to write the sales page and the checkout pages the launch emails the branded graphics that you'd have on social media your social media posts your facebook ads so they, that's just a, a couple of elements i don't want to make it super complex uh, for those who are like oh my god you know <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm so new to launching but i don't want to make it super yeah. overwhelming but i'm just saying that 
this is for a more complex funnel because this is typically what I do with my clients, but just having those elements in place. So for example, if you're launching, uh, like one of my clients is launching a template shop right now. And for her, I would need to write, you know, her product descriptions and her confirmations when someone, um, when someone buys her templates, but she doesn't need a webinar though. So it's slightly different for every single launch. So it really depends on your launch style. Um, but this is making sense so far. I don't want to run too quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, completely. And I wish I would have heard some of this advice when I started to, because I jumped into a launch and I mean, I had done a course before actually. So I kind of mm-hmm. knew, and I worked with a coach on that. So I kind of knew, okay, like this is sales talk and that kind of thing. Um, but mm-hmm. doing with the product, I was just kind of going off of what I'd seen other people do. And I, mm-hmm. I really wish I would have hired a coach for the launch. Um, uh, but next time for sure like I feel like it helps take all that off because like I said if writing isn't your strong suit um, or even if it is just having someone else be like yes that's going to convert and Mm. help drive sales which is your ultimate goal with a launch um, I think it's so important and so valuable amazing and I I totally agree with you there because (laughs) it's so easy to think like when you watch people do it and they share the behind the scenes that you think that's enough but the thing is you'll you'll learn the most when it's your first launch. You know, a lot of um, like super, like big, big, big like launch experts out there, they say that your first launch is literally like your first pancake. <laughs> well, well I, I say the first pancake, but basically it's, it's your time to learn. It's not about, yes, it is about driving sales because of course you want it to be successful, but you'll never know what it's like for the first time until you actually do it. So I call it like your first pancake attempt. So I'm not sure about you, Hannah, but for me, I didn't used to make pancakes very well when I was younger. And the first one is always the most awful because, <laughs> because right. um, you know, your um, your frying pan isn't at the optimum temperature to get that really nice brown coating, right? <laughs> but, you know, pancakes number two, three, four, five, like they're going to be much better um, because you're used to it. It's even like, harder when it's like a gluten-free or a healthy <laughs> Oh yeah, really don't work. Oh yeah, I mean, I I do have one though, but they have to be gluten free oats, like with banana and um, some yogurt. I think in the in the butter that that works pretty well. But for the gluten full and sugar full (laughs) pancakes, you know, um, yeah, like you get that nice browning, but often the first one is like really pale and it's just like ugh, put at the bottom of the stack. No one wants to see that. (laughs) So that's kind of what Mm -hmm. a first launch is like. It's literally like the first pancake attempt. So it's a huge learning experience, but it's okay because that is what's for. So that's why I would actually, if I was a first time launcher, I'd focus on the people who are really interested in what I have to offer first before pouring any money into ads or anything like that. Um, because you have to, it takes time to nurture an audience. So if you're launching in two weeks time, for example, you ran ads and you've got a lot of eyeballs, but they don't know you enough in order to um in order to buy from you because you can be saying all the right things you can be hitting all the emotional marks but if you don't have that authority in place it's pretty difficult to be able to launch so actually just start small um you know and just like Mm. use it as a platform for you to learn because then you can always improve like upon the next one so if your first launch ever fails then don't take that as an end all be all don't take that as a sign that it doesn't work you need to learn what it takes and to tweak your messaging based on what you've learned after which is actually my fifth phase but i'm kind of skipping through so <laughs> okay just a quick recap uh, phase one pre-launch planning and validation so listen to your customers phase two create your launch materials so have everything in place as much as you can um, you know depending on your launch style 
And phase three is that you systemize and you schedule. So you've got all your pieces. Now it's time to put them in order. Phase four, you go live with your launch. So this is ironically is the easiest part of the launch is when it goes live because that's just when you need to be present and you just need to be on your feet your team needs to be on your feet if you do have a team with you you just need to be on your feet and just um you know listen as you go and see like what people are saying when they are making comments on certain things and what they're saying in your customer emails and that sort of thing and then phase five is when you wrap it all up because when the doors are closed to your launch then you have a debrief like you think of all the things that you feel have gone right all the things that you struggled with all the unexpected curveballs that happened just so that you can set yourself up for success the next time and those are my five phases um, of a successful launch those are absolutely great. And I know that when you um, work with your clients, I'm sure that it's an amazing experience. And about how long do you work with a client Ooh, for? Is... <laughs> so um, this is what I meant by no last minute.com moments is because launches, they yeah. can take a while, not all of them. That's because again, I work with online course creators and people running group programs. So I would like to work with them at least 12 weeks out of so three months uh before that um before it goes live um their launch so if they set a date in september we need to be working in june you know and that sort of thing um mm -hmm. but i know that not a lot of people are aware of how long this takes so that's why i do have some like speed services like kind of like sos situations where if they're panicking mid-launch they haven't planned it they can like hire me for a couple hours and they just be able to go in there and work as much magic as I can but it takes around like eight to 12 weeks 12 is like you know for optimum um yeah optimum time and most minimal stress because the thing that causes most stress in launches is just being unprepared of curveballs and there there's some things that you just can't prevent but there are a lot of things that will you know that that won't be as stressful if you just plan in advance like one of my clients she hired me a week before her launch and normally I'd, 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 it would be a hard no it would really be a hard no but she said um, but she needed a sales page ASAP she hadn't worked on a sales page and she had a launch coach and she didn't mention a sales page until we before and I'm like um it normally takes like eight weeks to write one because of all the research <laughs> um but she was super adamant and she oh was gosh. willing to do all the work in a very accelerated time frame and actually the, the sales page still converted anyway um like beyond industry standards so I was like woohoo that's awesome um so and she was super happy about that but it was stressful <laughs> for both of us because of the very tight parameters though so if you're thinking about launching you might want to think mm -hmm. a couple months out first before you actually start thinking about it all but yeah you like the, mo the more time you give the better you're off in my opinion <laughs> I agree. Time, I think, is the biggest stressor, especially when you have a hard deadline, if it's an event or, mm -hmm. um, you know, something you've already promoted about that day being the launch, then you can't really mm. go back on your word. And so it's like time is the big 100%. stress. Well, I have a question I like to ask all my interviewees at the end, and it is just what are you dreaming up next and working towards achieving? Ooh, good question. Hmm. Is this personal or professional? <laughs> It can be either. If if whatever comes to your mind that you're most excited about, um, I know is we're like always trying to improve and work on something new or we have maybe a new idea, but anything you want to share that's exciting you at the moment. Mm. Oh, definitely is um that I'll be launching my own program <laughs> um in a couple of months' time at the end of September and uh, just a 
Cliff Notes version, I've noticed in the launch space that the reason why there are so many launch flops is not due to lack of organization all the time, it's actually due to the lack of authority that they don't have. Like they have everything right with their credibility and they've got their results and that they got from other clients. They just don't, like not enough eyeballs are on them. And like I said before, um, you know, just simply running Facebook ads, you know, to, to your launch it may not be enough because you need time to develop that relationship, to develop the trust and everything. And I found that actually it really helps, you know, being a guest on podcasts. And this is my own challenge that I set myself, um, you know, to reach out to X amount um, of podcasters, um, you know, to see whether I could provide some value somewhere. And actually I found that it's really helped me a lot um, in my business and building my authority. And because I've kind of gone into it, like super trial and error, like I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that as long as I provided value, like that is what would matter most. And so I want to be able to help other, like, um, especially copywriters who are mainly underground, but people who are thinking of launching a course and they've got the results, but they're just not enough people know them yet. Um, I'm taking them through an incubator group program uh, where they can actually learn how to, how to refine their messaging, shift their mindset, and be able to, you know, become more guests on podcasts so they can share their value and get well known and build their authority. So that's what I'm really excited about. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is very exciting. And I wish you the best of luck with that. I know it's going to be great. And I definitely think you've provided um, a great deal of value today for our listeners just talking about copywriting and launching because it's definitely a topic that I don't uh, touch on in the, a normal episode on here. And I love how we just took a deep dive into it. So thank you so much, Meike, for being on today's show. And I'll make sure to link your website and your Instagram in the show notes. So if anyone wants to work with you or get in touch or um, see your offers, they thank can. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been a pleasure being on. And you're an amazing listener as well, by the way. Just want to say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. I love just listening. I mean, honestly, um, like I said, I love talking, (laughs) but I love doing the podcast because it gives me a chance Mm. to listen and to learn myself. And um, yeah, I'm going to start like really focusing in on my voice in my copy. Um, I'm inspired now. So thank you. That's it for the interview, and we're almost done with the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to check out the show notes for all of Kay's links, as well as the link to purchase the Dream Achieve workbook. And lastly, before I go, I wanted to let you guys know that the Dreamer Spotlight is still a thing. I may do it every few episodes instead of every episode, and I think I'm going to move the Dreamer Spotlight to the end of the episode. But there are still open spots. If you want to be on the Dreamer Spotlight, just shoot me an email at hannahashtonyt at gmail.com with Dreamer Spotlight in the subjects line, and we can get something set up if I feel like your story would be a great one to share. And remember, you don't have to have a huge success story. I really just want to highlight women in any industry working towards achieving their goals. So if that sounds like you, then hit me up and we'll talk soon. Okay. Love you guys. I will see you next week. Bye.